Right, my name is Hilaire, but before I go any further, if you have any trouble pronouncing my name, please see John. <laughs> he has so many versions of it, and he will give you the best one. <laughs> yeah, uh, just a quick summary of who I am. I am Hilaire Big. I come from Kosovo, lived in this country for about 14 years. I'm married to Sarah, the lady of the violin. We have two children, James and Caitlin. And uh, it is a privilege to be able to share with you guys. So if you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to have a look at, the, at chapter 4 of Mark, verses 35 to 41, just that uh, session there. I'm just going to read it and then uh, we carry on. <laughs> on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I just open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we do thank you, Lord, that you've given us opportunities to speak for you, Lord, to be your vessels, Lord. We just pray, Lord, today that you will use your word, Lord, that you will empower it, Lord, and you will speak to us. We pray, Lord, for anointing of your word, Lord, as we speak and as we hear it, Lord. Jesus, we just ask you, Lord, that you will be in this place ruling, Lord. We pray that you will take over, Lord. May the man that is speaking not be seen, Lord, but your word go forth, Lord Jesus. For the glory we want to come to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, I'm going to put this one this way. So, the story is really everybody knows. I mean, we've even spoken about this in Sunday schools. And yes, me and Sarah teach children in Sunday school, and we did this one, and when I finished it, it was just a few weeks ago. I said, to Sarah, there's something in this, in this passage that is just not letting go. It's like, I need to prepare the next one, and I'm going back to this one again. And I just had the f- some kind of... I-, I felt the Lord is saying that you're going to have to... Don't get away, because there is more. <laughs> you're going to have to speak about this one again. And then we had a word with John, and <laughs> this is a passage that I believe the Lord wants us to hear today. And it, it is, it is when, uh, if, just to see where Jesus is at this point, if we just read chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables, and goes on. So, what we see, we see Jesus... 
speaking to people, the multitude getting bigger. At this point, Jesus has many, many followers at this point. So literally they were pushing him and he goes into a boat and the boat goes into the sea and he's speaking from the sea and many people around listening to him and he was talking in parables and he was explaining them to the, to the disciples afterwards. It was a parable of the sower and the mustard seed. It was a long day, exhausting day probably, menacing to people all day long. And that's what the Lord does, doesn't he? He just ministers to us. And it, by the end of it, as the evening had come, on the same day, Jesus says, Guys, let's cross over on the other side now. And the disciples, obedient, yes, they get up and they prepare the boats and they go ready to go into the other side. And it just seems so good. I mean, a day, if we could say a successful day. He did a lot, and a lot was accomplished. And the disciples are being really, really good at this point, listening to the Lord. The multitude was left behind. Off they go. When Jesus was tired, he goes to sleep down the bottom of the boat on a cushion. And off it goes. And it seems like it's all great, isn't it? Amazing. And then something starts to happen. The wind starts picking up. As the wind starts picking up and the waves are rising, they didn't seem a big problem because most of the disciples were fishermen. They know the Sea of Galilee. They know how to deal with that. Face the boat towards the waves, whichever way it works, I don't know. I come from a country where we don't have a sea. So if I say anything wrong about the sea, please forgive me. <laughs> Sorry. But in this passage, we see that the wind, the, the, the windstorm was quite great. And the disciples seemed like they just carried on. But as the waves were rising and the wind was getting stronger, things started to, to change. The disciples' hearts started to fail. And they tried. Now, you, you can imagine if you are in the middle of the sea, the waves are coming up. You're a little bit, your heart starts beating up a little bit more. And then, but if, you, if you're an expert, it's quite good to deal with it because you think, oh, this is my expertise. I know how to do it. And I think that's where we quite often fail because if somebody else just thinking of say something in Chinese, we would just, oh Lord, help us. But if somebody says, oh, can you do something that you're quite good at? It says, yes, I can do that. I don't need you, Lord. I'm a fisherman. I, I mean, the sea is, that's where I live. I deal with it with no problems. But... It didn't seem like that because the, the waves and the wind were so strong that it was something that they didn't see before. And they struggled and they struggled and they tried and they struggled. And as they were trying and struggling that, you could see that the problems were coming bigger, becoming higher, and the faith was shrinking down. The Lord was becoming smaller. Jesus in the boat and they just did not think that maybe he has something to do or to say. And even when they go and approach him, they approach him with the wrong attitude. See, teacher, don't you care? It's like the Lord was a Lord that doesn't care. 
Didn't they just see him minister the whole day? They saw him heal people. They saw him care for them. They saw all that Jesus did. He was giving himself to the people. And yet, when they were right in the midst of their storm, they went to the Lord and said, Lord, teacher, don't you care? What a lesson for us. When the storms rise around us, how do we approach the Lord? Do we just go and accuse him for our lack of faith and say, teacher, don't you care? Because we know very well from the scripture that the Lord cares. So just a little bit, I'm going to tell you about the the Sea of Galilee. If uh, I found this information, it is it is quite uh, a common thing to have storms all of a sudden. I think it's about 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. So the bit where they had to cross over about 5 miles maybe. So, But uh, it is 700 feet below the sea level and the mountains around about two to 3,000 feet above. So I found it that it is quite a remarkable place to, to, to visit really. But uh, because of that, it's got its own climate, and it is quite often that this kind of storm will just pick up. But that wasn't something that the disciples didn't know, because they, they know that place. So I believe this storm was very unusual because of what Jesus had to do next. If we just look at the chapter 5 of Mark, we will see that Jesus had to go and do something very, very special. And I'm going to read. I don't know how long I'm going to read, but I'm going to read till I think it's enough. <laughs> then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bring him, not even could bind him not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. And we'll just stop there for for this bit. Uh, You can see that Jesus, in a way, had an appointment. He was going into the, to the other side and there was something awaiting him. And I believe that this storm had something to do with this. Because when the enemy attacks, it doesn't attack when we are ready with all our big guns in front of us and saying, bring it on, enemy. I mean, we still can't win. But uh, that, that the enemy says, hey, I'm not going to waste a time like that. I'm going to attack you at the dark times. and the ta- At the times when you are not expecting it at the times when you are exhausted, at the time where the faith is going down and the storms around you are rising up and you have lost your hope almost, full, all of it, 
That's when I'll come and I'll snatch you from the back and I'm going to attack you. And that's, I believe, what it was. It was for what Jesus had to do next. Because if you, know, if you read the rest of chapter 5, well, just a little bit longer, you see that they didn't want Jesus there and he goes back again. So, literally, this whole journey going crossing the sea is Jesus goes, sees this man, delivers him, and he comes back. And in the way back, there is no storm, nothing. The sea is just calm as always would be and fine. But there is something when you want to do something for the Lord, the enemy is going to try and stop it. He's going to try and use something. So we see this developing in, 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 this, uh, in this small passage that we are looking at. Now, when it's, it's easy to, to say that, uh, you know, we, in these kind of situations, well, maybe they could have done things differently, maybe there is something that the disciples didn't have right, but I am quite convinced that uh, it, it could happen to any of us in a way. <laughs> so none of us are immune unless the Lord, when the Lord does something in us then. Everything else changes. So what we see here, we see the disciples crying out, Teacher, don't you care? But I believe that this don't you care, it wasn't exactly, Teacher, don't you care, that, you know, know, don't you care about us because you have the power to do something. I believe that don't you care was that, Teacher, if we are going down, you are going down with us as well because the boat is sinking. It's like we are all working hard. We are trying our best. We are working all to our utmost ability to to do something and you are just sleeping. Don't you care? Why are you so different? Why do you have this peace in the midst of this storm that we are really struggling to survive? Don't you care? Because if we go, you go. If we die, you die. And even if somebody has to write something about your story, it has to be from the other boats because none of us are going to survive. (laughs) So the disciples had seen a lot of the Lord, but they didn't see all of it yet. They knew that he had the power to cast out spirits, to heal, but they didn't know yet that the Lord is the one that has the power over all creation. So Jesus... Rises up, praise the Lord. <laughs> he gets up and he just says, Peace, be still. And the water goes down and the wind stops just like that. It's like when you find a kid in the kitchen trying to steal a biscuit. Say, What are you doing? <laughs> it's like the wind and the storm got caught by the Lord doing something that they, it wasn't supposed to do. It's like, oh no, just dead calm. And the disciples, I I wonder how their faces would have looked at that moment. Because when he says, peace, be still, and everything goes calm and quiet, and he turns to the disciples and says, why why are you afraid? Why is it that you have no faith? It's uh, in verses 39. No, no, 40. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And that must have been really, really hard for the disciples to, to handle. And you see the Lord. 
Now they see that he's got a power over the creation. And that fear that they had is already forgotten because they have a different fear. They have that reverence for the Lord now. Seeing that he has the power. I wonder how they say, oh, maybe all put their head down. I don't know. It must have been really, really hard. But if you see in this passage, Jesus had to calm the storm outside. But he had to calm the storm inside as well. Because the storm inside the disciples was raging the same as the storm outside. And the Lord had to rebuke that inside as well. And sometimes the Lord rebukes that inside of us. Because maybe there is the smallest thing that is happening out there. Maybe the, the storm is not hardly big, but in our eyes it looks so big because we are so focused in the storm around us and we can't see anything else. And when you are focused on that, of course it's going to look big. But Jesus has to rebuke sometimes us inside our hearts. Say, hey, calm down. Let it go. Relax. <laughs> For I am the Lord. <laughs> so, it is... I just find it amazing how, how the Lord really dealt with the whole situation of the disciples. I mean, our, I'm glad it wasn't me. I mean, <laughs> that, that would have gone a bit differently. <laughs> maybe, maybe I would have said something like, uh, you naughty people or something like that. How dare you not trust me yet? How much do I have to... You know, the Lord just rebukes that unbelief inside them. But he doesn't just cast them out of the boat. He keeps them there and he is in the boat with them. But that, that really, this, I, I, I see that the Lord is revealing the power that he has. And when we go through the storms, there are so many good things that come out of them. Our faith, most of the time, gets strengthened. We we got built up. Maybe the Lord will build us up in a way that we'll be able to survive the next. And the preparation for eternity, absolutely. There are so many good things. But I believe the main thing in this passage as I was meditating on it, I find that every time you go through something, some tough days, some hard times, is because the Lord wants to reveal something more of himself to us. So we get to know more of his power, we get to know more of who the Lord is really. And that is, that is remarkable because the Lord wants us to know him. He doesn't want us just to think, oh, you are God in heaven, you have your own business, you carry on with your bits, and I carry on with my life. That is not what, what the Lord wants us to do. The Lord wants us to be dependent on him fully in any situation, in any circumstances that we go through. And the Lord, the Lord is gracious. The Lord reveals himself in so many ways. But uh, just thinking of it though, this storm, just to, to bring another, another point that the Lord wants to reveal himself more to us, is that if you look at all what we spoke about up to this point, is that the disciples really were obeying Jesus. Now I understand if you think, oh, but do you remember Jonah? Yes, we do. Jonah disobeyed absolutely and the storm was, well, yes, the storm was because he didn't obey and we have that quite clear in our heads. But this one, they are obeying him. They are doing everything that Jesus is asking them to do and they still had to go through the storm. I mean, we could have made this story really, really simple and easy and, you know, just a couple of words I would have said here. 
any situation you are, call upon the Lord. Just shout, teacher, don't you care? And he will come and calm your storms and you will have a wonderful life. I could have said that and then you say, I don't know if you know anybody but club, but some, something would come out of it and we we'll say, yes, the Lord Jesus, we call and we rebuke him. How dare you don't care that we are going through trials and tribulations and difficulties and storms? Why, after all, aren't you for us? And the Lord says, no, you are made because of me and through me. And that is the Lord is taking them through the difficulties, through the stormy ride. And if we go through the stormy ride, don't forget, look at something. Look what the Lord is revealing to you as you go through that. Because there is something that the Lord will reveal to us. Now, if you think of, uh, of the Lord not caring and being asleep and we go through the trials and tribulations, there was a time that I actually thought that God is above us. He is the great God, which is true. But he doesn't really care much about us because, after all, why would he? And in those days, you have to understand, I didn't know the Lord then. As, as John mentioned, I come from a background where all the nation is really over 90% is Muslims. And my family were Muslims. And they were not really harsh Muslims. Not like in the Middle Eastern countries where... But they, they practiced. And I used to go to mosque every feast or festival of uh, Islam that is there. I would go to the, to the mosque and do all the rituals on my knees, on my face, hands around, whatever goes. I'm not going to do them. <laughs> but it, it, I practiced that. And then there was some, some stormy ride that we had to go through as I was 16 years old. We had a conflict with well, the conflict was long going on, but that's when Serbs attacked my country even more. And some of you, maybe re you remember the 1998, 1999. There were really tough days for, for myself, my family, for the whole country. Where we had to leave our homes, run away for our lives. And uh, it is not exactly like Hollywood portrays in the films, that if you are good... You suffer a little bit, but then you just win. It's not. Uh, the reality is completely different. When you are running away, if the body gets you, it doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, you're you're going to suffer the consequences. So yeah, there was tough tough time that we had to go through for a couple of years. And the hardest was in 1999. We had to leave our homes for three months. We couldn't go back living in the mountains surviving because the Lord still cared even when we didn't know him I just love the verses while we, still while we were still sinners Christ died for us the Lord had paid the price for me before I even knew him remarkable and the Lord took care of us but there was just in one, one event and I'm going to share this with you there was when we were going to take some bread from a house to the mountain to, to survive and the Serbs had seen that people were there. And they started chasing. And my sister, I have five sisters, one of them, was right there with them. 
and they were running and they were sh- the police were sh- the, the army was shooting and they ran and they finally managed to find uh, like a river and they jumped into it but there was a young lady young bride and the bullet had just got her on the neck and an old man goes my daughter I will help you come up and she turns her head and the bullet was right there blood pouring down it was a dreadful day in that river one of my sister cried out Lord God if you exist if you are there Lord and you see me and my family survive this I will find you and I will serve you I will be your servant Lord just see us go through this it was a desperate cry out to the Lord in the midst of despair Many people were there maybe saying God has forgotten us. We are just a forbidden land and forsaken land and he doesn't care. My sister had different attitude. And guess what? The Lord was gracious and none of us really died. We were scattered and separated and suffered but we all survived to the end. And in the end, the Lord didn't forget that prayer. He sent missionaries. Because before the war, you see, Serbs would not allow any of the missionaries to enter in the country. So they were happy to let us carry on spiritually dead in, the, in Islam. That didn't, that didn't bother them at all. But when the doors opened and missionaries came in, and they gave us Bibles, and they started talking about the good news. And one evening, a missionary started speaking. And explain the whole gospel. The Lord Jesus died on the cross for your sins. In the end, one of my sisters was sitting there myself. And he said, do you believe this? Now my sister straight away said, yes. She grabbed hold of the gospel. The next evening, the next night, she had dreams with Jesus. She straight away started walking with the Lord. And guess what I did? I said yes as well. I did say yes. But my walk with the Lord was a bit different. You see, when it comes to testimonies, not everybody has the same testimony because the Lord knows what testimony you need, what you need to go to Him. He gives us, He's gracious, He gives us just enough so we can know Him. And that's, as I said, the missionaries came. That's when I met, actually. Sarah came as a missionary. She served in, our, in my country for six years. And Yes, I did say yes to the Lord. I wasn't entirely sure what I signed up for. I didn't understand the whole gospel. At some point, it sounded like a good film. But the Lord is faithful. I needed to hear that share of the gospel. Because from there, they gave me the Bible. Now, this is not the Bible. that This is an English Bible. They gave me one in my own language, Albanian. But they took the Gospel of John. They just bent, I don't know if you can see, just bent the Gospel of John like this. I'll show you what they did. Just in case. They just did the Gospel, they, they did the gospel of John like this. And they said, read this. And I took the Gospel of John and I started reading that. And as I read, the Lord started speaking. And the Lord started ministering. And I started growing in faith. And praise the Lord. That those people opened their mouth and shared the gospel with me and my sister. But then I had some troubles. And as, as you have probably, I don't know how you become Christians, but there's always that flesh that doesn't want to let go. 
And I didn't want to let go of Islam. The tradition, friends, family, everything around you was joined to that. That's when an idea came into my head. And I thought, I am the wisest man. I'm so clever. I'll keep Muhammad and I'll keep Jesus. So if I keep them both, what can go wrong? <laughs> oh, I was quite clever, wasn't I? <laughs> but the Lord doesn't want to share the glory. Not with anyone else. The glory belongs to Him. Praise the Lord. And even in those days, that's where I met Sarah, and she gave me a picture. And that picture really spoke, William. Sometimes words do the job. Sometimes just a picture. She put a cross and she said, like a hill, nice picture. She's really good at drawing anyway. So she did the cross and she said, the only way to go into the other side is through the cross. That's when I understood that I had to take everything through the cross. If it doesn't go through the cross, it's not going to count. And I have to do it on my own. Not, be, not caring anybody else with me. Not Muhammad, not Islam, not tradition, not culture, not friends whatever there may be, I had to take the Lord and with Him only. And that's, that's when, uh, when the Lord started revealing Himself more and more. But in this one, as I, as I see in this whole uh, going through the storms, the Lord re- reveals Himself more and more and more in a degree that you, we didn't know before. And just if you just look at the life of Job, Job, he had to suffer so much. He lost everything. And he lost everything. He lost his family. And after that, he even had problems with his health. The only one was left was his wife. And she was the one to encourage him. And she said to him, why don't you curse God and die? That's why she was left there. So she could push him a little bit more lower. But Job was the one who said, I know that my Redeemer lives. Brothers and sisters, do you know that today your Redeemer lives? Job said, even though he may slay me, yet will I trust him. This is the man that lost everything, yet his faith in God was so great. And by the end, if you read chapter 38 to the end, the Lord start, uh, reveals himself afresh to him. He starts having conversation with Job. And Job, even that little lack of faith that he had, he just regrets for that as well. Because the Lord reveals himself in a way that Job just was amazed. And he restored everything, of course. And then we have, we have Paul. Paul had to go through some tough times and he actually had to go through the storm in chapter 27 and as he goes through the storm the angel reveals and says Paul you're not going to lose anyone you're going to lose everything but all the people are going to be saved the Lord revealed himself in the storm to Paul and Paul could see that so because when I said that we could make this message easy and just say well the Lord will just be there for you and calm the storms it would be so unfair to go and speak to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan today. What would we say to them? Just rebuke God, say you don't care, you see how tough it is and the Lord will just get rid of the Taliban. No, the Lord has a purpose 
to take them through that. He's going to build them up. He's going to strengthen them. And he's going to reveal himself to them in a way that they will know the closeness of their Lord. Now, when it comes to these people, if you ask them for prayer, they don't pray that everything will be just smooth and we'll have wonderful, peaceful life. They say that we pray that we would enjoy. They want to enjoy. They don't want to go back. They want to walk with the Lord and enjoy this. How can we speak to our brothers and sisters in Nigeria? Where uh, Fulani militants and Boko Haram and so many other Islamist organizations are there. They they suffering so much. They've been killed and martyred. We can't just say that you just call upon the Lord and the Lord will make the, the path so smooth for you that you would just... No, the Lord has a plan. The Lord has a purpose. The Lord is going to take us through these things. The Lord is going to take us through storms. The Lord is going to take us through difficulties because he has us to prepare for eternity, to build us up, to strengthen our faith, to reveal himself to us because he loves us. How can we say this to the apostles, to the disciples, where all of them died? They were all martyred. They lost their life for the Lord. So if you look, even John the Revelator, he went through some tough times before he had that revelation of the Lord in the island of Patmos. It is amazing. How can we say that to Stephen? Stephen had to go through some tough times. Do you mind turning to the book of Acts with me, please? Acts 7. I'm going to read from verse 51 of Acts 7. Just to give you a little bit of uh, just what happened before, not to read the whole chapter. It is where Stephen is standing up and speaking to the leaders and talking, taking them through the whole history of Jewish uh, history, really. <laughs> Abraham and Moses and takes them all down and He's speaking and he's sharing what God had done for them, how the Lord had all orchestrated to the end. And in the end, when he finishes it, he speaks to, the, to them directly. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your father di fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who, for, who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Now, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. That's what the word of God does. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So Jesus, uh, Stephen had this revelation of Jesus as they were about to stone him. They were gnashing their teeth at him. 
they were dragging him to stone. That's when Stephen had two choices. Look around or look up. And he looked around, what did he see? He see the leaders, the ones that have authority to do anything they wanted, religious leaders, grabbing stones to stone him. But when he looked up, the Lord revealed himself. The Lord saw where Stephen was. And when the Lord saw where Stephen was and revealed himself to Stephen so that Stephen would see who the Lord is, he saw God in the throne and Jesus at the right hand. And that's what empowered him to even say as they stoned him, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. The same words that Jesus used, Stephen is able to use the same ones. Because he looked at the Lord. He didn't look at the circumstances. He didn't look at the, at the storms. Now the storms are, are really, as John mentioned, they are raging. They are entering the boat. We have choices start and empty them in the bucket trying to empty the boat like the disciples crying out and rebuking God or turn to him and seek his face because storms are not going to just disappear like that there are storms that are appointed for us to go through and in those ones we have to know that we have God in our boat that we know who the Lord is In this country, things have gone a little bit in a funny way, because it used to be a Christian country. Why well, I remember when I first came here, knowing that it's a Christian country, coming from a Muslim background, I, was, I started working in a factory, and there was a lady working with me, quite old lady. And of course, as a Christian, you want to share your faith. You don't just be quiet, do you? <laughs> and I wanted to share the, my faith with her. But I wasn't sure where she stands. So I thought, probably she knows a little bit about, about the Lord. Maybe, maybe not. So I asked her, what do you believe? She said, oh, I am a Christian. I said, praise the Lord. It's great. I said, what kind of church do you attend? She goes, I don't really go to church. I said, oh, well, that's okay. Maybe she has some, you know some troubles maybe for whatever reason she's not going to church okay said so how how did you come to the Lord how do you know God she goes oh no no so what do you mean no no I don't believe in said, you, you said you're a Christian you believe that Jesus died for your for your sins she goes no I don't really believe in Jesus said do you believe in God no I don't really believe in God I said but did you just say that you're a Christian she said well that's what we are in this country she said in this country we just are Christians now, for Christians like that, I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> How do you share the gospel with a Christian? <laughs> so, yeah, and then, of course, I started and I shared the gospel. And I know that she, was, she didn't really know the Lord, but she said that she was a Christian. And in this country, we, if you ask, probably many people will say that they are Christians. But I tell you, they have different God to the God of the Bible. Whatever they say to you, even your, our government, they don't believe in the God of the Bible. They believe in science, they believe in researches. I mean, in this day and age, anything that you want to push forward, 
It's so easy to say according to science and researches. If I tell you, whatever I tell you here today, if I just give you my opinion, it's not going to have the same weight if I, as if I say according to the researches, because then it makes it better. And no one questions what kind of researches are there or anything. So the, the government is not going to make laws that are in accordance with the Bible. So when the minute that we stand up for what the Bible says, we are going to have oppositions. And the storm is going to start just going higher and higher. You just, just think the, the Bible says a man and a woman should get married and the government just ignores that as other ways. You go and you have boys and girls and the government says, no, the child, the person can choose for, I don't know, but last time I looked was 100 genders, I don't know. You see, the Bible says that I have, I've known you before you were born and the, the government says, no, that is not true. The, the kids in, in the womb, they are not kids. Babies are not babies before they are, whenever they decide to be. So if you go to just thinking of a pregnant lady going to, to see the baby, the ultrasound, you see the baby there. For one person, it's going to be joyful, a baby there. For the next one, says, I'm not feeling right mentally, I don't want that. And the same doctor will say, okay, we'll end the pregnancy. It's not a baby anymore. One minute it is, the next it's not. Yeah, just on Wednesday, I believe it was 54 years since the abortion was allowed, over 9 million babies being killed in this country. So if you stand up and you say, hey, the Lord says this, the Lord values life, our government is going to say, no, unless the science say. So it's like the science say, the government approves it, and then the media proclaims it, and the doctors in the NHS performs it. And the lives are not valued as the Lord values the life. So if you and I decide to stand for what's righteous, to stand for what the Lord says, for what the Bible teaches us, we are going to have oppositions. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you, don't lose heart, don't lose hope, for greater is he that is in you and me than he that is in the world. So this is... This is what the Lord had laid in my heart to share with you today because the storm is getting greater but the Lord sees. I'm just thinking of Hagar. Hagar was cast away but even she had a glimpse of the Lord and she was in her affliction. And I believe it is in Genesis, somewhere in Genesis, yeah, 16, 13. <laughs> yeah, Genesis... Genesis 16.13 says, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? So the Lord sees you wherever you are. And even if today you are, you are in a place where you are not really sure if the Lord understands your circumstances, and if you just feel like the Lord is becoming smaller and the problem is becoming bigger, or if you are in a place that you're not sure if you even trust the Lord Jesus, brother and sisters, friends, this is the day of salvation. Don't neglect such 
a great news of salvation. For the Lord has died on the cross for our sins. Hallelujah. What a greater, what a greater joy is there that the Lord himself has opened the way for us to have that eternity with him. So if you don't know the Lord today, please see John, speak to John, speak to elders, speak to Jared, speak to anyone, and don't neglect that salvation. Because in the day and age that we are living in, things are coming so quick, the waves are coming so fast, the boats, is, the boats are filling up quickly, and some of us are not even seeing that it's happening. But this is the day where we have to have things right with the Lord. Don't neglect it. Don't push it forward. Don't leave it for tomorrow for we don't know what tomorrow holds. It is today that we have to make the decision to trust in the Lord Jesus for He has opened the way to the Father. So this is the message for today. May the Lord bless you all and keep you. I'm just going to close with a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And I pray, Lord, that you, your Lord will take this message and multiply it, Lord, and apply it to our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your great God, and we praise your name, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.